Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the B2Beast podcast. I'm honored and stoked to bring you our next guest. He is an absolute beast. He is a serial entrepreneur and investor with a $200 million exit under his belt and has invested into over 400 different companies. He's now the CEO of Smart Suite, pioneering a truly all-in-one software solution Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Derbyshire. John, welcome to the show. Travis, it's a it's a pleasure to be on here with you. Thank you so much. Uh, super, super grateful to have you. You have been killing it, and we were able to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, and this was a prime opportunity to spotlight. This story, which we're going to get into today, you have so many epic chapters uh, in your business and your career. Uh, but what I want to first tap into, just a quick little curveball or softball to see where your head is at. What are you most grateful for right now, today? Well, you know, it's Christmas, you know, it's the holiday season and I, I have the chance to spend it with my son and daughter who, uh, you know, 29 and 31 coming back home. So we're going to be together for a family for the first time in, in quite some time. So I, I have to say that, you know, we've been looking forward to this particular week for six, seven months to get us all together. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Keeping plenty busy. That is beautiful, brilliant to hear. Um, so let's tap into your story. I did my, a lot of my <laughs> digital stalking right. um, and you have some epic chapters, but to simplify that whole uh, uh, history of yours, let's start with a big win, um, an exciting win. What do you consider the most exciting win of your career and any lessons or, or uh, advice that we've kind of can kind of extract from there. Um, but I know you've had a, a very wide spectrum. So what has been something in your entrepreneurial journey or even on the career side um, that has just been unusually exciting or interesting that we can share today? Yeah, no, I'd love to dig into that. So I'll maybe start with the story around how I kind of got into the entrepreneurial side of SaaS software mm. and, and how that really changed, you know, my career path and kind of my life in general uh, along that way. I was a partner at Ernst & Young. I had the chance to run one of their global practices and had an idea um, um, to, to leave and help organizations manage what became governance, risk and compliance inside of their organizations. At the time, it was how do, how do banks bring online banking to market and have all the things behind that secured in a way that makes online banking secure? So I left Ernst & Young, started a company called Archer Technologies. And but before we wrote a single line of code, I approached our very first potential customer, which was a, a large uh, company in Plano, Texas, EDS. Many people probably remember that a couple. They had about 120,000 employees, if I remember right. They did outsourcing for IT to large companies like General Motors, where they managed all of their infrastructure for them. Um, and I approached them with an idea, and if you can believe this, an HTML prototype on a floppy disk. <laughs> and I was, yeah, we're in the boardroom and we're meeting with the executives and I'm pitching them on, this is a new way to manage your entire business uh, that, that's here. And at the end, it, did, it couldn't have went any better. And they said, 
sold. We're ready. When can you implement the product? And I had to step back and say, I haven't wrote a single line of code yet. That all looks great, but that's an HTML prototype. But here's where it gets interesting. So we we agreed that we would implement the MVP, the first version of that software in six months, went to work on that. But then we started negotiating the contract and I went into the gentleman's office. Uh, I'll never forget this day. It, it just changed my life. And he I, I came in with a price point and I said, look, this is back in 2000, 2001. I said, we want to sell you the software, but we're going to sell it as an annual license as a proposed compared to a perpetual license with a maintenance, right? It hadn't been done very often at that point. Mm. And I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere around um, $600,000. And I said, you know, we want you to sign up for a three-year commitment, $600,000, the same amount each, each month. And he came back to me and he just looked at me, number one, and just kind of stared me down and said, um, John, we'll come back. And I, I, I get the number off a little bit, but it was like 930,000. He said, John, I counter that with $930,000 a month and or a year. And I, I sat in my chair trying to process. <laughs> I thought I offered 600. Like, what is happening here? And after he countered, wait a minute. <laughs> and that was the customer, right? Countering up. And it, it took me back for a while. And then he just started laughing at me. And he just said, look, John, this project is so important for our business. You have to be successful. This is the budget we have. We want you to use that budget and go build this software and it has to work for us. And in that moment, I realized the relationship between a vendor and a customer and the need that customers have for, for products that work to help, you know, solve problems in their business that they were relying on us at a level that they'd never relied on somebody before. And they were willing to pay for that. And that started. Archer Technologies, which became the first SaaS company uh, that I had built. And, um, you know, fast forward eight or nine years, we were able to sell that. Uh, but EDS was our very first customer that got us going down that journey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is uh, epic indeed. Uh, the counter up. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant story. Um, yeah, what I'm hearing from that is... Another dose, another chapter of imposter syndrome. Uh, we see it over and over and over again, no matter how high up the food chain. You, <laughs> right. you always feel like, like, wow, I really shouldn't. I don't think it's worth this much. Maybe 500K, 600K. No, how about 900? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, absolutely amazing. Thank you. Now let's spin to perhaps the other end of the spectrum of not winning. Um, <laughs> I know there may be uh, some mistakes, some failures in your, I guarantee there are <laughs> um, in this journey. What would you consider your most epic and glorious failure in business so far? What what lesson or advice can, can we extract from that? Yeah, I, I'll go back to that first company, Archer Technologies, that we had built as well. And, you know, that was Archer is a family name. We named it after mm -hmm. my grandfather, John Archer. So it had a lot of meaning to us as well. Uh, this is back in 2001, and we were selling mainly to financial services companies. I think we had four or five large banks on Wall Street that were customers at that point. It was our first year of existence. And then 9-11 happened. Right. And some of those customers were actually in the or had employees in the towers, you know, that were there. And we have we were a profitable company from from that 
that first sale at EDS. Um, but we weren't able to collect from these banks the, the payments that they owed us to be able to make payroll. Like it was a tough time. And we made a decision not to pressure them to make payment. They, they were dealing with enough with, with everything that had happened with losing members of their, of their teams that were there. Um, but that was the hardest part of being a CEO that we'd ever, that I've ever experienced. And that cash flow was a problem for us. Um, there was not a lot of venture dollars that were out there in that moment in time with everything that was happening. Uh, I remember feeling like we were failing as a company, but we weren't failing because we didn't have a great product or we didn't have great customers. We were failing because our customers weren't paying us that was there. And I had to figure that wow. problem out. And I remember uh, th- there were times early where, you know, I had put everything, I was all in me and my wife, my wife, Tara ran sales and marketing and my mom actually ran all the operations and finance side. So it was a family business uh, for us. And uh, we were all, all in on, on that. Uh, I remember one day we had to make payroll. My mom comes to me and says, John, like we're short, like 20 grand. You can't make payroll today. And the only thing I knew was I took my, my, I think I had a, a, a suburban and I just took it to the local car dealer over lunch and said, I, I need to sell this right now. And they said, we're not going to give you a great price. And I'm like, I, I need, I need 20 grand. Will you give me 20 grand? <laughs> they gave me close to that number, which was a steal that they got, but I actually made, made payroll. That happened the next week again. And I had to go sell my boat, uh, that was there. But that was as a CEO, you, I felt at like a failure because I, I, I wasn't able to pay our employees, but that was the best thing I ever did. If I flipped that story, the employees ultimately caught wind. They figured out what happened and then they were all in with, with the company and us. They knew that we sacrificed to make sure that they got paid. They really appreciated that. That helped build the culture of that company kind of from that point forward. Wow. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Definition of a silver lining there for something that pressure, like I'm just imagining the pressure (laughs) of that, of that moment arriving. Um, But leaning into it, making that immediate sacrifice, which in the moment doesn't feel self-serving in any way at all. It's, I'm selling my, my, this, my, that to take care of this. Right. But in return, it builds loyalty and trust that you couldn't, you can't buy, you can, you can buy that with a check if you, if you wanted to, but seeing that moment, that team, that loyalty, um, is just super, super powerful. So, uh, yeah, I'm just devastated thinking of how <laughs> how paralyzed I would be going through that moment. So um, amazing to hear that. Amazing to see that. Um, yeah, that those persistent moments, those rock bottom moments yeah. can actually be strengthening and give you that core like bonding. They say like one of the best ways to build a relationship or bonding with people is going through um traumatic or negative or ter- ter- turmoil type <laughs> situations so i'm sure the loyalty and bonding gained from that is phenomenal so yeah amazing amazing yeah. thank you for sharing that uh now you have 400 companies you've invested in uh through your firm um and in other various ways uh last piece of this segment i'd love to just hear of all of your networking and investments and business encounters, what is the most interesting 
person or project that you have encountered just in like they just are at almost like alien level of, of like what is is going on here do you have any fun weird exciting quirky um companies or people that you've ran into over the years yeah i, I think i've i've worked with quite a number of fun kind of quirky companies i, I I'll just tell you an interesting philosophy that i've kind of found as an investor in companies is that you know, early on when I started investing, I had a good friend at Bain Capital that came to me and said, John, don't get so excited about the ideas, get excited about the people. And he said, even if the people don't have the ideas yet, like stay focused on the people and the pedigree of the people, right? The knowledge that they have. And early on, I would get so excited about the idea and I would not spend a, as much time focused on can the people actually pull the idea off, right? Are they equipped with the talent, the tools, the resources to make that happen? And quite a number of companies that I invested in that I was so excited about that I thought was just going to change the world with things that they were doing didn't make it, right? And then as I begin to kind of change that philosophy, I realized, all right, I I need to focus on the people. And I, I used a book called Outliers. I don't know if you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell yes. and the book Outliers. He, he comes up yes. with this concept of, you know, once somebody has 10,000 hours in doing something, they become an expert in that thing, right? And I begin to think about it that way. Like, do the people that I want to invest in have the experience that's 10,000 hours of knowledge, right? to really make a difference in the company that they're doing. Now, if the idea that they have is great, you've got a home run, right? But what I found was that really good people with average ideas do really well. <laughs> like those turn into really good, solid companies like Archer Technologies did, and they exit at good numbers. Yeah. But when you have the combination of those two things, that's when things get really special and you you find companies that, you know, be, become these unicorns and sell for billions of dollars that are there. Uh, but for me personally, I, I, I tend to get excited about the technology, the idea, and I have to pull myself back to focus on the, the people and then the idea uh, that's in place. Yes. No, that, that sounds odd, oddly familiar. Um, brilliant. No, I love, I love that approach. I mean, it really helps. Uh, bring the most the most interesting and innovative projects and people to the to the forefront because that's a difficult uh, that experience those hours right. are difficult to manipulate. <laughs> you can throw anything you want on a pitch deck or or a good salesy schmoozy like uh, charismatic guy, um, but you can't fake those hours and that experience and that personality. So that's brilliant to hear your approach and your system because. That leads us into our next segment, the secret sauce, where we're wanting to tap into clearly you're doing something successful. You're doing something right over there. So this is where we try to uh, extract and steal as much of that juice as we can um, in this show. With the first question, what one habit or task is non negotiable for you. It's something that you have to do every single day. Yeah. For, for me, I, we follow an agile philosophy uh, through our entire organization on how we get work done. And agile comes from a development perspective where yep. the developers each morning have a stand-up meeting for 15 to 20 minutes with, with individual groups. And they kind of talk about, here's what I accomplished yesterday. Here's what I'm accomplishing or working on today. And do I have any blockers, things that I need help to get done? 
We've implemented that across our entire organization. And I spend the first two hours of my day, every day, non-negotiable with every team going through the standups. And that, uh, what I've just found personally is the, the performance gains that, that you get as a company by me having the knowledge across everything that's happening, answering questions. I mean, it just, it lights our people on fire. They can just go get their work done. There's no roadblocks or if there's a roadblock, I try to get that taken care of in 24 hours. So the next day I've got that solved. So they're, you know, off and running, uh, if we can. And we're a, uh, a completely remote, you know, we're a remote first company. I shouldn't say completely remote, remote first. We have uh, people in nine different countries. So it, it's also a time for us to come together for a period of time each day. And we, we don't, we're not all on the, the two hours of calls. I, those are broken down into 20 to 30 minutes with each yeah. of the various teams that are there. But that for me, that's non-negotiable and new employees that come in that aren't used to that are taken back by it for a minute and then they get in mm. the flow and then it allows them to stay connected with what's happening, you know, across the teams and ask me questions direct as opposed to just inside of their their particular group. That is glorious. Uh, I, I remember encountering, so I was uh, up I was up late last night doing some YouTube video stalking <laughs> and uh, encountered you were speaking at a conference about this remote team. And actually another interesting piece of this that I was going to sneak in here is that it's all contractors. You have mostly have a couple co-founders and like, I think you said like one sales guy (laughs) and your entire team is actually all contractors. So are these the teams that you're mentioning you meet with in the morning is these, these teams of contractors? Yes. Um, And what do you go through? Like what's your checklist um, when you have those meetings or like general loose structure of, of how those operate? Sure. Um, Cause this is where I think a lot of businesses are starting to head. That's where we have a fully remote hundred percent contractor based production team. Um, And I'm starting to see the light here of it's, a completely different business model of building your infrastructure. So I'm curious, what do those teams look like and what do those meetings briefly look like? Yeah. So we, we follow that approach for our, for the majority of our development, excuse me, our development activities that we do. So these are, are very, uh, seasoned, experienced software developers, project engineers, project managers, business requirements type people. Uh, that we have. We work with three main organizations that bring us the majority of our resources. Um, we did that for a couple of reasons. The first of which we, as a company, we spent the first two and a half years uh, working with about a hundred developers across these three teams to build our core platform before we launched and told anybody that SmartSuite would even had a product uh, that was there. Um, the reason that's so important is that each of these teams have hundreds of you know, hundreds and hundreds of people on staff and we're able to pull in the team members that we need for very specific technical tasks that are needed. So let's say that if, if I hired a team of 10 developers and those are my 10 people, something maybe is kind of outside of, of their skill set, like we have to go learn that, figure that out. With the way that we work now is we'll go pull in a person from one of these teams that has a specialization, maybe in single sign-on. We'll bring them into the team for two or three months to help with that project, educate the other people, but then they can go away. And that's all they do is single sign-on across every product, right? It, we're talking wow. encryption, whatever that might be. So it helps us from a development standpoint. We're much more efficient. Like we can get so much more done with that, you know, bringing in the resources as we need them. So we average somewhere between 60 and 70 developers 
based on the, the workload that we have in that month or the next two months, you know, that's kind of happening. About 50 of those stay with our project all the time. The other ones kind of rotate in and out based on the need uh, that's there. And in those stand-up meetings, you know, we, we go through the three things I just said, which each person talks about, here's what I accomplished yesterday. We go into detail. They have two or three minutes where they talk about, I did this, this, and this. Here's what I'm focused on today. And then here's any questions or blockers that I have. Uh, we also use Slack and we do the same thing in Slack. And we, the reason we use Slack for that is that now every person on every team can see what everybody else is working on. And so it just helps them like be in the know of what's happening in mm. the company. And it's not just developers. You know, we do that with our onboarding team, with our sales team, with our partner team. So if anybody, we just have a daily stand-up channel. That's what it's called in Slack. If anybody's nice. interested on what's going on with somebody, they just go click and they can just kind of see, you know, the effort, what's happening. Perfect. No, that is brilliant. Uh, that recurring roadblock uh, removal is one of those max, max efficiency things that I think a lot of people need to keep on their plate. Um, it's one of those things that's easy to, <laughs> to assume something's delegated, it's done, they're, they're in their role, but those roadblocks pop up, especially if you're doing innovative, crazier stuff like uh, you're doing all the time. Those new roadblocks are going to pop up. Um, and you mentioned Slack for the communication. Uh -huh. um, also very powerful to have a clear strategy of how and where those that internal comms can happen. Um, so you snuck uh, a, a little bit ahead. I want to start getting into tools and applications okay. uh, briefly here. Um, and a little bit of an asterisk for this question. Excluding smart suite, because we'll get to that one in a moment. Um, hopefully that will be the answer for this question for future shows. But we want to know what tool or application you consider a must have for your business. Um, similar question to the habit of something of that you probably use every day. Um, and then if there's any particular way you want to share how you use it, if it's in a non non-traditional way or anything um would love to tap into that do you have a favorite tool or application in your your tech stack <laughs> I, I i think we, we have three or four that are just essential to running a SaaS based okay you business. can do a full stack if if you want you with the, uh, i have that in parentheses okay. for the, the folks that want to go nerdy nerdy for the full tech stack let's get it <laughs> yeah we use uh, we use a product called intercom which allows us to communicate with our customers directly inside of our product so it has a little icon that's in the right hand corner of our product at all times they can click on that it opens up a little bot that allows them to chat with us in real time right then and there, but it also provides information on how to do things, videos, guides, different things. But what happens is, you know, the minute that somebody asks a question, it comes back into, um, it, it depends on the time zone and who's on, on call, but we have people that are standing by and answering those questions in real time. So it's a new way to deliver responses back to customers where they're not waiting, you know, sending an email and waiting a day, the next day to send something back. It's, we want to get back to you right now if, if we can. So intercom is kind of the, for any SaaS based business that's customer focused, it's kind of a must have type of product. And there are a number of ones out there, but they're, uh, we're pretty happy with intercom. There's another product called Canny, which is, was pretty interesting. Canny allows you to uh, have your customers uh, put in feature requests for your product. And then it allows other customers to vote and comment on that feature request. And then as you provide updates to that, 
anybody that's voted or comment, it automatically notifies them of the status of that feature request. So we spend, I, I spend 30, 45 minutes a day inside of Canny answering questions and talking with customers about, you know, new ideas that they have, new use cases that they have on how to get things done. So those two are kind of at the top. And then any great SaaS company has to have a community. And we use a product called Tribe, which is kind of new to the space. Mm. Um, um, we're still trying to figure out if that's, you know, ultimately the best product for us, but it's pretty good. But it allows our customers to come in and ask questions to each other and respond and answer questions to each other. And our team jumps in as well, but we're trying to build that community where it, it could be about our software or it could just be about no code in general, just general questions about things that other people could could answer. But there's three good ones for you. Amazing. That is quite the lineup. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. We'll we'll steal uh, one more thing from you. See as how far I can get into your uh, processes or strategies over here um, without the legal team coming <laughs> after us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so before we jump out of here, can I get a specific process or strategy that you use? When either building a business, this can be in sales, marketing, product development, any any portion of the whole B2B adventure, can you have can you share a specific process or strategy that you have in your tool belt um, with us that we can kind of take home uh, <laughs> and keep in our cheat sheet uh, <laughs> per se? Sure, sure. I think uh, I'll tell you what it is, but you have to know my background to understand it in that. You know, sure. I, I kind of grew up in the in the big four, big six consulting era, you know, with, with Ernst and Young. And I'm very process centric person. Like anytime we I think about things, I think about flowcharts happening as people are yes. talking about things. I'm a flow, I'm a flowchart person. So, you know, my mantra is kind of what gets measured gets done. And so every time we think about something, we document that we, we have, um, you know, yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly goals that take place for the company. And then everything that we do matches back against those so that everybody in the company understands the why on why we're focused on certain things. So whether you use, a, a, you know, a, a, an approach like EOS, you know, the entrepreneurial operating mm -hmm. system that's there, or you have your own approach, or you just use goals and objectives, those types of things. I'm big on documenting what those goals and objectives are, and then aligning the work of the people uh, around that. That is amazing. No, I think, uh, a big portion of this shows in just how quickly and how that just really the scale of, of some of the growth of the companies you've been involved in. Um, there's just no way that's <laughs> that's not happening without that intention, that tracking, that measurement, those deeper analytics. So absolutely brilliant. Um, so let's keep it rocking and rolling here. Uh, we got a quick little beat a beast blitz here for you. Right. We get one shot, one answer. One opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. <laughs> uh, and we'll just go through a quick list of each of these items. And you can take as long as you need to answer it. But you get one, one answer with no context or explanation. <laughs> All right. So we'll go through these five. Um, and then we'll get to hear more about Smart Suite and how you guys can tap into this brilliant product. Uh, so on to the Blitz beginning now, number one, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Uh, Bezos. Boom. All right. Number two, Apple or 
Android. Apple. <laughs> All right. Number three. This will take you back. Backstreet Boys are in sync. <laughs> Is there a third option of, of neither? Or <laughs> I, I, I'll say in sync. All right, it is confirmed. John Darbyshire <laughs> loves InSync. Uh, number four, <laughs> board games or video games? Video games. Boom. All right, and last one. Are you the kind to dip your toe in or dive in head first? Yeah, dive in head first. Boom! <laughs> no surprise there. I could have uh, <laughs> guessed that one was coming. Um, absolutely amazing to hear more from your world. Um, and before we get to our last mic drop moment, I want to hear from you and this brilliant product that I've... Uh, it's taken me a long time to fully absorb and like answer exactly what it is. Um, but from what I can tell, it's very much the closest thing we have to an all-in-one workflow and business management operation solution. So my head headspace originally was like, oh, it's kind of like Airtable, but does this and this. Oh, it's kind of like Monday, but does this and this. And now what I'm really realizing with all the integrations you have is you are almost making uh, Zapier, Zapier <laughs> redundant. All of that cross-platform stuff that goes from one application to another. Uh, I just got used to the ecosystem of being like, oh, I'll never be able to connect this with this. Um, but you are answering all of those problems and questions under the hood. So I would love to hear from your words and your world. What is Smart Suite, and how? Who who is this for? Uh, and how can we start? Spreading this awesomeness out out into the world because uh, it is live, it is active, and it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, let, let me tell you first about the problem that, that and the, the reason that we thought about Smart Suite was you know most employees in an organization work somewhere between or have between five and seven products that they work with to do their job each day, and those could be if I'm a marketing person, I'm using HubSpot. But I'm also, you know, I'm using Slack, I'm using email, uh, maybe I'm doing some integration stuff, using some spreadsheets. Like you have all these different things with data in all these different places that are there. And when I was investing in all of these startup companies, one of the first questions that I got time and time again was, you know, what infrastructure do we put in place to run our business that can scale as we grow? And the conversation, sometimes we would spend as much time talking about that as we did about the idea that they had, right? So I knew there was a problem that was there. So about three and a half years ago, I said, you know, I, I want to take a little different look at how to solve that problem and to create a single platform that could help businesses run and manage their business on one platform. But if they have products that they love already, like Salesforce or HubSpot or Zendesk that are integrated, you know, into the company, will also provide capabilities to pull data and get data from those very easily. So they could still have kind of a main hub in SmartSuite, but pull data from the other products. So the idea and what SmartSuite is all about is we're a no-code work management platform that allows you to manage any business process or project in one place. And the word no-code is just a fancy word, meaning I can use drag and drop capabilities to organize how what my process needs to be. If I have a sales process, a marketing, yep. a product, right? And we provide templates for 200 different processes that you can download. This goes back to my days at E&Y uh, that are best in class, meaning if you don't know what a great process looks like for this particular thing, 
you can download a best in class process. It's ready to go for you. Uh, that's there. We also wanted to bring enterprise level features that were typically just reserved for products that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, like I built at Archer Technologies. We wanted to bring those to the masses at a price point that's not been done before. So if you're a small business, you're going to get the same feature set and capabilities as Goldman Sachs that uses something like us um, for $10 per user per month. Right. So we're trying to just like blow it out with the, hey, I'm going to get the same features and what it's based on is usage. So, you know, as mm-hmm. the more you use it, the more information you put in, you'll, you'll move up to our next plan eventually, which is $24 per user uh, per month, all the way to through to our enterprise plan. So you can think of it as just one place that you can go to manage your business. And we tried to take traditionally what are six or seven different product categories and put them all into one product. So if you are doing project management, you're using products like Asana and Monday and ClickUp and Twello, we have all those features, right? We have 90 to 95% of those features. Yep. If you use a product like Airtable or ServiceNow that's more business process related or a database, we provide those capabilities. If you use Zapier or Make, we give you some integration capabilities that are built in so you don't have to have that product. We do the same for form building tools and for data analytics and for dashboards, like all those things built in one place on a, a user interface that's been custom built for millennials and Gen Zers, who are the people that we feel are the ones that do the work in most organizations, right? So you have to, it has to be interesting and engaging and collaborative for them to, to be motivated to do their work, you know, yes. keep their attention out this there. So you're going to see things that feel, you know, a little bit like Facebook at times or Twitter that they're used to on how they collaborate with people inside the cool. organization. Lots of colors, just a little different UI. Yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful product um, in many and all definitions of the word uh, visual and under the hood. Now that I'm, st- it takes a while to absorb sure. and understand the full capabilities. Um, but you guys, this these templates that he's mentioning, these are absolute game changers. This was one of the most exciting things I saw in in navigating and exploring is you have that full spectrum to start from a complete template that has every row, column, drop down that you would need or the custom, the fully custom. If you need, if you have a weird stage or process in there, like they have all of that accommodated. So um, what can I guess, how can we best support you? That's that's where I want to <laughs> tap into. How can we best support you and where can we go do that to discover, download, or share Smart Suite with the world? Sure. Yeah, you can just go to smartsuite.com. Um, we're, we're a product-led growth company, which means that you can come to our, our, our website and start a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. We don't ask for any of that information. You can try it till you love it is what we like to say. Uh, at the end of 14 days, if you're not ready to make a purchase decision just yet, we have a free version for up to three users that you can just continue to use forever for three users that are there. And if once you find a product market fit inside of your organization, right, value from our product, then you can move to one of our paid plans as you, you know, start to increase over the three users. So we're really trying to change the game on how people think about buying software. And to make it very easy for you to say, you know, 14 days isn't enough, fine. Take 30 days, take a year. We, we don't care. We're going to let you use the product with the full feature mm. set uh, during that time. 
Yet another brilliant approach. Um, so many gems hiding here throughout this conversation. So uh, heavily, heavily encourage you guys to at least check it out. Jump into that $0 free trial. Like it's amazing to at least see what's under the hood. And then all those switches will start to flip and see where and how you can use it. So, uh, John, absolutely amazing journey you've been on so far. Uh, this is truly what I envision as this is what it's all about. Building that dream life, building these businesses, massive world changing economical. Sh you're shifting the landscape of, of how business is operating out here. And for that, I recognize and appreciate you deeply for being able to share your time, your message, your mission, um, and all of that with us today. So just had to give a quick thank you before you're out of here, um, but we are going to hand the mic back to you one more time for some final words of advice or motivation that you can share, because there's going to be a listener here. We went through a lot of systems and marketing and sales and nitty gritty type of stuff, but sometimes you just... You don't have that that heart or that inspiration to pull you forward. Right. What is the best advice or motivation that you can share here to send this listener into beast mode? All right. Yeah, I'll just say that no code platforms are going to change the world. Right. That's a pretty bold statement. But what that means is that. You know, traditionally, you've had software developers that build software for companies and it takes long periods of times and, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars to build specific software. No code means you're using drag and drop capabilities to build software. Smart Suite is a no code application, but we're one of hundreds of no code products across every kind of category you can think of that is converging right now. This is happening right now. And consultants, people that are just coming out of school, you know, freelancers and consultants just coming out of school are going to find ways to make a living being no code consultants back in this new industry that's happening. It's very different, very exciting. Um, and people very, you know, people right out of school are making, you know, really good six figure, you know, salaries working with no code platforms and customers and pulling these things together to, to help solve problems. But no code is definitely the future of software. Boom. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been John Darbyshire. You're a beast.